This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. The subject of our afternoon's talk occurs in verse 32, which we just read, with verses 33 to 38 giving us a list of the sort of difficulties, the opportunities, the persecutions experienced by men and women of the past who demonstrated their faith in God. Some of those acts of faith are quite easy to identify as referring to particular men and women. For example, Daniel in the Den of Lions, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the burning fiery furnace, Elijah and Elisha, both restored to life, women's sons. And there were many others who, out of weakness, were made strong, such as Gideon. But as I looked at the list in preparation for this talk this afternoon, I really couldn't find anything which seemed to specifically fit Samuel. Although, like many, he did certainly work righteousness in the kingdom of Israel, where he served as judge after the death of Eli. Life brings us face to face at times with serious challenges. Sometimes, like Job, we are faced with life-changing or life-threatening disease, which either affects ourselves or family members, people we love. However, it's often those seemingly less serious challenges which present almost as much trouble. For example, when we are let down by those we love and trust. And I'm sure we've all experienced such occasions in our lives. Well, Samuel certainly did. I trust that as we look at his experiences and the manner in which he retained throughout his life his faith in God, we will find encouragement and be better able to cope in the future when we feel let down and dispirited. We're going to spend the rest of our talk in the first book of Samuel. And the first point to note, I think, is that Samuel was born to parents who worshipped God with great sincerity. His mother, Hannah, was barren, and in her distress at her condition, she prayed earnestly to God. And we read of this in verse 11 of chapter 1. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And moving down to verse 20, we find that her prayer was answered. So we're going to take up the account in verse 20 and read to the end of the chapter, noting in passing that her husband, Elkanah, was fully behind the promise which Hannah had made to God. And Chris, our president, is going to help me with the readings because I've been struggling with a code this week. 
reading then from the first book of Samuel, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 20 to the end of the chapter. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there for ever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her. She took up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought, it, brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of, which I asked of, of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Do you think Samuel resented being given by his parents to God's service? Well, it appears not. Chapter 2, verse 26, says that the child Samuel grew in stature and in favour both with the Lord and men. Of course, Samuel wasn't given up in the sense of being neglected by his parents. Far from it. Verse 18, we're told that Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Samuel would have been told, I'm sure, of how his mother had prayed to God for a son. How he was God's gift to her. And how, as a consequence of his faithfulness, or her faithfulness, in giving him back to God, his mother had been blessed with a further three sons and two daughters. So Samuel truly benefited from having parents who worshipped and honoured God. And he, in turn, was faithful to his parents' will. But in stark contrast to Samuel's respect for his parents and his faithful to service in the temple duties, we are told in chapter 2 that Eli's sons were corrupt. They used the system of sacrifices for their own gain. They lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. 
and they paid absolutely no heed to their father Eli when he challenged them concerning their conduct. We will read shortly from chapter 3 of the close bond between Eli and Samuel. But for some reason, Eli had not had such a good influence upon his two sons. Whether his duties in the temple had caused him to neglect the bringing up of his sons, or whether it was that because he had grown old, he had lost some of his focus, we're not told. But his sons had absolutely no respect for him, no respect for God, or for the people they were supposed to serve. Chapter 2 records that Eli was visited by a man of God, who revealed to him of God's judgment to come upon his two sons, who were both going to die together on the same day. So with that background, let's have a look at chapter 3, where Samuel is referred to in verse 1 as a boy. The verses which follow would indicate, I suggest, that he was still a young boy. My personal opinion is that he would have been no more than 10 years old. So let's look at, first of all, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Samuel chapter 3 and the first five verses. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And this happened three times. Eventually Eli realized that it was God who was calling. So we're now going to continue from verse 9. Reading from chapter 3 again, verses 9 to 18. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity with which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering for ever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he has said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him, and he said, It is the Lord. 
Let him do what seems good to him. So, verse 15 tells us that Samuel lay there until morning. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. That verse suggests to me that he didn't get back to sleep, but he lay there wide awake, thinking about what he would tell Eli in the morning. And I've certainly experienced nights like that, when I've gone to bed worrying about something, and spent ages thinking about it. What am I going to say in the morning? And of course, in the morning, everything feels like it turns out really well in the end, very often. So I think we can all identify with the difficulties that Samuel must have been thinking and having. You see, although Eli didn't act to stop his sons from treating the offering of the Lord with contempt, it's clear that Eli was very good to Samuel and that Samuel thought highly of Eli. So God's message must have come as a big shock to this young boy. When morning came, we read that Samuel was still afraid to tell the vision to Eli. I'm sure this was partly out of respect for Eli, but I suspect that the basic dilemma in the mind of Samuel, which he would have to come to terms with, would be one of accepting God's will. How could God do this to Eli? How can he do it to his sons? Those would be the thoughts, I think, that would be going through his mind. When morning came, we see that Eli helped Samuel by firstly encouraging Samuel to tell him everything, and secondly by saying, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. But in those long hours of sleeplessness, Samuel's young faith must have been severely tested. In revealing to Samuel what he was about to do as a means of preparing him, God gave Samuel perhaps his first major test. Verse 18 records that Samuel told Eli everything and hid nothing from him. A ten-year-old boy being able to tell an elderly man who he greatly respected that, that God had revealed to him that Eli's two sons would die as a consequence of their vile behaviour. What a faithful witness Samuel was to Eli. But not only that, Samuel came to accept, like many before him and many who followed later, and hopefully us also, that God cannot do wrong, that God's judgments are always just. We often have problems like that, don't we? when our loved ones die when people experience protracted suffering or when we see on TV pictures of small children starving to death not even the energy to get the flies off their nose and face but Samuel accepted 
God's judgment and in so doing demonstrated his faith in God. What would Samuel learn from what God had revealed to him? What can we learn? First and foremost, I feel, the seriousness of bringing God's name into disrepute. He would learn that leadership brings with it responsibility and the serious consequences for those who abuse their position as God's servants. But there was more to learn. Chapter 4 tells us not only the death of Eli's sons in battle, for which Samuel had been prepared, but of two defeats against the Philistines, of the capture of the Ark of God, and finally, of the death of Eli. We're going to look at that in chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. Chapter 4, verse 15 to 18. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. It's quite revealing, I suggest, that it wasn't until the messenger reported the capture of the Ark of God that Eli fell off his seat and died. He was prepared for the death of his sons, but upon news of the Ark of God, well, that was a completely different kettle of fish altogether. Um, It was something for which, no doubt, he felt at least partially to blame. But what a Samuel, still a young boy, a boy who had lost possibly the one person who had had the biggest influence of it in his life, perhaps with the exception of his mother. How did he cope with such a loss? We're all saddened, aren't we, when we lose a parent or a grandparent. In Samuel's case, it was more like a great-grandparent. Samuel's loss was much greater. Eli was someone he had looked up to as a man of God, And now at this tender age, he was having to face up to the fact that Eli was not faultless. He wasn't sinless. It's something we all experience from time to time. Finding out that those we respect and value highly are not as good or as pure as we initially thought. And it can have a devastating effect upon our faith. But not for Samuel. He continued to seek after God. And when the time came, he was ready to lead the people back to the true worship of God. So having thought about Samuel's um, early life, let's sing our second hymn. It's hymn 146. And we told about in this hymn of what happened 
uh, that we read about in chapter 2, chapter 3 I should say, and verse 3, O give me Samuel's ear, the open ear, O Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word, like him to answer at thy call and to obey thee first of all. seems quite clear to me that the failure of Eli's two sons to honour God was symptomatic of the nation at large. God had withdrawn his blessing upon Israel, resulting in the loss of 34,000 men in the two battles against the Philistines. And it had allowed the Ark of the Covenant to be taken. Plus in chapter 7, which we'll be looking at shortly, we find that the people of Israel had once again become involved in idol worship. It's worth noting that because of the capture of the Ark of God, which wouldn't have happened had not God withdrawn his blessing, 
But in chapter 5 we read of great suffering and death for the people of the cities of the Philistines where the ark was taken. Before finally in chapter 6 the Philistines came to their senses and returned the ark to Israel. So let's read the opening verses now of chapter 7. Thank you. Reading from chapter 7 in the first six verses. Then the men of Kirjath Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath Jerim a long time. It was there twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you, and prepare your heart for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now these verses suggest to me that 20 years elapsed between the return of the ark to Kirjath-Jerim and Samuel's call to repentance. It could be argued, perfectly logically of course, that Samuel's call to repentance came early on during the years recorded in verse 2. But what seems quite clear is that it took 20 years for the people's hearts to change and that Samuel had to wait until the people had had sufficient time to lament before God and were in the correct frame of mind to sincerely repent before God and rid themselves of their idols. It must have been extremely difficult for Samuel waiting for the right moment accepting God's timing. But no doubt he continued to study and pray so that when the time was right he was ready to serve his people and his God. This was a really good day for Israel and it was probably the highlight of Samuel's uh, life I would think. Um, very special day in the life of Samuel which brings us down to verse 12 where we're told that Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shem and called its name Ebenezer saying thus far the Lord has helped us this verse reminds us of the 12 stones of remembrance taken from the Jordan which Joshua commanded to set up after the children of Israel had crossed the river to enter into the promised land here Samuel erected one stone but the purpose was exactly the same to focus the people's minds upon God's miraculous and delivering power and as in the time of Joshua to draw attention to God's great mercy 
and forgiveness to those who truly repent and place their trust in him. Now chapter 8, where we find history repeating itself. Beginning of chapter 8. came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The, first, the name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Strange this, isn't it? You would have assumed that Samuel, with the experience of Eli's wayward sons, would have done everything he could to bring up his sons to faithfully honour God. And I would like to think he did. There's certainly no direct criticism of Samuel, as there was of Eli. So maybe it's simply a case of his sons being unresponsive and rebellious. Whatever the case, it must have been tremendously disappointing for Samuel. A disappointment that was made even worse by the fact that his son's failure to follow Samuel's ways was given as a reason for the people wanting to have a king. Chapter 8 and verses 4 to 10. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me, and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed, your, heed their voice, however you shall solemnly forewarn them, and show them the behaviour of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. Let's face it. Uh, Samuel's, the behaviour of Samuel's sons had placed Samuel in a very weak position. And we read in verse 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us, and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. Must have been really disappointing for Samuel to realise that his sons were not walking in his, in his ways. But even more disappointing that the elders were able to use this 
as a reason for requesting a king. Initially, Samuel took it personally. He felt that he was being rejected. And he had to be gently but firmly reminded that it was not Samuel who had been rejected, but God. To Samuel's great credit, however, he immediately took the matter to God and then faithfully followed God's instructions to heed the voice of the people and give them a king. Chapter 9 records the process under which Samuel was guided to anoint Saul as king. Chapter 10 of how Samuel presented Saul to the people. And in chapter 11, how he was finally accepted by the people. Despite Samuel's initial feeling that the people had rejected him, he faithfully carried out God's instructions. And I imagine was pleasantly surprised by Saul's humility and his forgiving nature. Uh, firstly, his humility when Samuel showed him special attention. And that's in verse 21 of chapter 9. Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? And then his forgiving nature, following his successful attack upon the Amorites. The Amorites had, um, had encamped uh, around the city of Jabesh-Gilead. To give you some idea how bad these people were, they threatened to put out the right eyes of all the inhabitants. So we're going to read from chapter 11, verse 11. Chapter 11 and verse 11 to verse 15. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men, that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Sadly, Saul failed to build upon the good start he had made. So that in chapter 13, we find Samuel finds it necessary to reprimand him. He says to him, or well, Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not command, kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now there's nothing in, in those words to reveal 
um, any personal affection by Samuel for Saul. But in chapter 15, we're given an indication of Samuel's true feelings. Chapter 15, verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, and he, for he has turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now the following verses record how faithfully Samuel made Saul aware of his failings and his disobedience in regard to God's command. But the verse I've just read records how upset Samuel was and how he prayed to the Lord all night. Have you ever prayed to God all night? I haven't. But Samuel did because he was distressed about the fact that God had rejected Saul. We're not told how he prayed, whether he prayed that God might overlook Saul's transgressions. I don't know. But it is important to note that Samuel grieved, presumably because there was something of a bond between him and Saul. Nevertheless, despite his personal feelings, Samuel faithfully carried out God's commands and he issued God's judgment upon Saul. Chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? So he was still mourning for Saul. Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. The remainder of the chapter records how Samuel faithfully obeyed God. And in verse 13, he anointed David in the midst of his brothers. Although, of course, it was many years before David actually became king. That didn't happen until after the death of Saul. Interestingly, this is the final mention of Samuel until we read of his death in chapter 25. It would appear that his work of faithful service in anointing David marked almost the completion of his, the work, his work, although I'm sure that he was still around and he was doing things, but we, we hear no more about him. So, to summarise, because looking at the Bible and reading and learning about people who lived long ago there is little point in doing that unless we are going to learn something from it. Something that we can take to help us in our everyday lives. So how did Samuel demonstrate his faith in God? Firstly, we have seen how despite the failings of those from whom he might have expected and hoped for much better, like Eli... Samuel's two sons and Saul Samuel came through his disappointments he didn't allow them to distract him from continuing to 
honour and follow God. Secondly, he was able to accept God's will, despite, it would appear, having questions in his mind and struggling with the things that he was asked to say and do, like giving that message to Eli, like telling Saul that he was rejected, like deciding, agreeing to, to the request that they should have a king. These were things he didn't want. He, didn't, he was very greatly stressed by them. He was upset. But he accepted God's will. As I say, that because he accepted God's will, he was able to tell Eli everything which God had revealed to him. It enabled him, despite his personal rejection, or feeling personally rejected, to follow God's instructions and anoint Saul as king. It enabled him too to deliver to Saul God's judgments that God had rejected him from being king over Israel. A rejection which caused Samuel to mourn before again obeying God's will and anointing David to be Israel's future king. And thirdly, Samuel was prepared to accept God's timing and to wait, it would seem, 20 years before the people finally came to repent, forsake their idols and return to a true worship of God. This is something I find personally very, very difficult. We try to set up a, a new youth club, well, to bring some new members into our youth club about 18 months ago. Nobody came. Nobody came. What was the, there was a problem. Their, our existing youth club wasn't terribly welcoming. But a few weeks ago, we started again. And we started a new youth club. And we got new leaders and new children. And it's going really, really well. But we've had to wait. I've had to wait nearly two years before we've been able to do it. And I've been impatient. I've been wanting it to happen. But I've had to wait. I have to learn. We have to learn sometimes to wait. So what an important lesson we have in Samuel. A really good example of what it means to be a man, a woman of faith. I've really learned a great deal from looking at the life of Samuel from the point of view of him being a man of faith and I hope you have too. May we, with God's blessing, be better able to face disappointments when we feel let down by those we trust and admire. May we be better able to accept God's will, be it in the world at large or in our own personal lives. Remembering, as I'm sure Samuel did, that we have very limited understanding and knowledge of God. We might think we understand a great deal, but really, we understand very little of God's amazing uh, mind. And particularly, we find it so hard to understand uh, right and wrong from the viewpoint of God. And may we too be able to learn from Samuel to be able to accept God's timing and not be discouraged if we are required to wait 
be it in our personal ambitions or our vision for the church. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Thank you.